this whole thing with India is so complex. Like, and India is going to be a very important actor, regardless of what form that takes in international relations going forward. But we cannot forget that to be strong abroad, the United States first must be strong at home. Mm. And part of that is state governments. Today, Ooh. we had a conversation uh, with a man who is running for governor, but not with one of the major parties. His name is Mark Tippett. He's running as gubernatorial, gubernatorial candidate for the Libertarian Party. We just had a town hall with him, and we had a lot of interesting conversation. And his views, whether you agree with them or not, are, as you might expect from a third-party candidate, definitely unconventional. He presents a, an alternative to the status quo that we've known for so long, the two-party system. Yes, very interesting. Yeah. And I agree with a lot of it. Not all of it, mind yep. you. Not all of it. And some of the disadvantages of his platform are definitely things that we do want to get into during the course of this podcast. But there was enough that I agreed with where I definitely say that overall, at least in my opinion, maybe not like the polls, because obviously libertarians never don't really do well in the polls. <laughs> they don't really look at the elections. But like in my opinion, like from my perspective, he's a strong candidate. Like I like a lot of things he stood for, even if not all of them. So we we, 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 we want to talk about sort of you know Mark Tip you know what Mark Tippett stands for and do 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 we think would this be a good guy to have as governor of Texas? First, we need to talk about the massive success that the Wisdom Factor Literary Society has had tonight, right, guys? That was a hell of an event. We had a gubernatorial we, candidate talk to us. Not like, only that, but, but the way that we did it and the way that we sort of extracted as much information as we could from him and the way that the voter was able to interact with the political process was in a way that was unprecedented. This was like – it's just a shame that we didn't have as many people as we wanted to be there because everyone who was there just felt like they didn't – no one left early. No one left early. Everyone stayed to the very end. Yeah. I'm kind of sad that this group wasn't formed since – I'm kind of sad that this group didn't form during my freshman year because, man, I'd be enjoying this the entire time. Yes. I'm still enjoying it. it it's, and it's, it's funny because we're doing something that's intellectually stimulating, but it's fun. Yep. But anyway, so I don't want that to get lost on anybody. You know, sort of like what we did today and how amazing it was. That being said, it's not about none of that. At the end of the day, it's peel off all the fun stuff. It's about Mark Tippett's. It was about the Libertarian platform. It was about his specific policies that he believes are going to shape Texas and make it as best as it could possibly be. And Preston and Nicholas, it was a lot of things that I felt he he left left to be desired, but there were some things that I thought that he did a very good job on. And, yeah. and for me, I just want to let everyone out there know that from the Wisdom Factory, which you can believe, okay, you can believe when the Wisdom Factory gives you information. It's real news. We're not giving you fake news because we don't have any interest. We don't have any moneyed interest. We're just telling you how we feel. Yeah. And, 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 and we can yeah. tell. Let, let me say this. And and I can tell you guys right now, regardless of his politics, Mark Tippett has integrity, and Mark Tippett cares about human life. I can vouch for that. You know, Mar Mark Tippett was one of the. You know, I would say maybe not the first time, but definitely one of the first times. Where I've met a politician and I honestly felt like that they actually care. There mm -hmm. are so many yeah. politicians that I've met that I actually wonder: do they really believe like, what they're saying? When I met Jason like Isaac, it was like he doesn't give a damn. I, I, I remember you saying about Jason Isaac, and I'm not sure if this is like the exact quote, but you said something. To the effect, I don't know, you said something to the effect of, "I'm not even sure if he believes what he's saying," you know, yeah. and that that's a common thing: Democrats and Republicans and Independents. There's a lot Both of sides. there's a lot of politicians like that. 
But Mark Tippett yeah. wasn't like that. When oh, I talked to Mark Tippett, you know, wrong. there, were, you know, whether it be on an issue that I agreed with him or an issue that I disagreed with him, the one thing that was consistent across the board is that he actually believed in it. Yep. That he actually felt he was doing what he was doing because he felt that it was the best yes. option for Texas, yes. and yes. that he was doing it because he felt like it would benefit the people. And that, you know, and that's the thing is that you know, I really I walked mm. away from the because you know, keep in mind the Wisdom Factory were nonpartisan, were not allowed to endorse. Any particular candidate because we're multi-partisan. But considering yep. considering the alternatives, especially after that event, dude, I really li- I liked I like Mark Tippett's. I like him. I'm yeah, I'm like seriously ca- I'm probably gonna vote for him. I'm like I can't guarantee. Yeah, Maybe yeah, I won't. Maybe you know I might change my mind. I might vote for Valdez, but I'm leaning heavily towards voting for Mark Tippett's. I like him and I think he's in the race for the right reasons. You know, even though I have some pretty I have some bit pretty big problems with the stance on education, which we can get into. Like there are certain issues but where even, I disagree but that's with one him. One of the craziest things, Preston, is he admitted during the questioning period that just because he has a stance doesn't mean that it's going to be implemented politically. I've never heard a politician. Yeah, and do that's that. actually one that thing. Well, and also pragmatic. The thing is that he, he was, was willing like, he was like, look, I believe that this, this, and this, and this. But guys, when I'm in office I, I don't have the political Well, one of the things I like about like Mark, just one of yeah. the things I like about Mark Tippett is, is that he's open. He's open. He's pragmatic. He's pragmatic, and mm-hmm. he's open to working with the people. So what happened was that says when I was asking him questions, I tried to do a mixture of hardball and softball. Like I, I asked him some questions that I knew were favorable to the Libertarian part platform, and that he would be able to answer easily. I also asked him some questions that I knew were going to be tough, and that he might not be able to answer easily. Um, but one of the questions that was tough was about education. I was asking him about inequality. And Mark Tippett's here's, – here's what he said. He was like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm open to suggestions. And Which is the, surprising. And the, here's the thing. I admire that a lot. Some people might not like that because he's, he's like, oh, I'm not, I'm not answering the question or whatever. But for, for, for him – I, you know what he's. I like you know why because he was talking about. It's like, look, I'm open to suggestions. Yeah, that's and that's the, the fact the fact that he's willing to listen to other opinions and work with the people to get things done. You know that that is important. We need more leaders like that. That's you know, absolutely. That would, okay, so 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 let me go on the other side of that question because I got to challenge you on that. A politician is supposed to have a vision for America. A politician is supposed to tell you this is how it's going to be. This is how your life is going to be be better, and this is how we're going to get there. He's not supposed to get there and say, okay, well, this is how we're gonna. This is how it's supposed to be. But I have no damn idea how we're going to get there. Well, he here's the thing. This guy what? literally stood up there and said, look, I, 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 I'm not the kind of guy that has the policy options. I'm not the kind of guy that can tell you what steps we need to take. I'm just the kind of guy that can tell you that there's a problem. Well, first well, of all, first, first, first of all, first of all, in most instances, so that was only on one issue. In most instances, he did have a vision. Mm-hmm. The second thing is that, like we mentioned earlier, that he was being pragmatic. Is that no, like no one person is going to know everything. Even mm-hmm. though he had clear policies, solutions to some issues, that it's not realistic for one person to know everything. It is better for a politician to be honest. Than it is for a politician to say they can fix everything that they can. What example are you talking about where it's the only example of where he said this? So what, one of the things, like for example, well, you know, I'll, I'll go right to the education thing. So he, he didn't no, – no, did. Listen, listen. Even though he didn't address that aspect of education specifically, yes. 
There were other specific policies that he talked about. Like, for example, when he was comparing our education system to some of the online alternatives, when he yeah. was talking about how our education system needs to be updated to the modern workforce yeah. and to the modern environment, that he took enough concrete stances where I'm willing to acknowledge that he's not just a BS candidate and that he is willing to actually look at solutions rather than just problems. That what it is, that the fact that he was willing to take that stance on this one particular issue shows that he's more honest and that if he doesn't know something, he's willing to admit it and work with people, work with voters, you know, work with other people to try to right. actually get things done. And that, yeah. you know, that, that, that shows that shows humility and good judgment. It shows humility and it shows good judgment and it also shows an inability to sort of have a, a, a good acumen when you're problem solving. Well, even and so, so, hold on. So he said this, Preston, you said he only said this in one area. He said this in, in a lot of areas. It was in education where he said, well, I don't really know the fundamental problems in education. We should have the teachers and we should have the experts who do the research in that come figure out the problems. They've already done that. The research is already out there. The literature is already out there. If you're running for governor, you're ne you need to be up on that research. If you truly believe in that, Preston, you cannot tell me that we haven't looked at our educational system and our scholars haven't diagnosed the main problems. Well, we have. Not, that's I'm, one. That's I'm number not, I'm one. Not, hold on, hold on. Perfect, but let me finish. That's number one. I do want to get into so, that. So you cannot say that, oh, we need to get these people to analyze. That was his big thing, analyze. Now, he did that on education. I don't give him a pass for that. B, he said that this whole cops with body cams issues and this whole idea that cops are going to perpetrate hateful crimes on innocent citizens because they are a different color or a different race, and he has no answer to stop that. He said that on that question, too. Yeah. And third, he had a, I gave him an opening on, you're a libertarian, you believe in protecting rights, what rights do humans have? And he really couldn't give me any concrete right that, other than what's been in the amendments, other than what we've had since... 19, what is it, 40? Yeah. He couldn't give me anything on that. Well, I, so I, I, it shows I, I, a lack of creativity. It shows a lack of problem solving. It shows well, a lack of action. Well, I'd give him a pass on the third one just because the Ninth Amendment is inherently written to be a vague and ambiguous give amendment. So, no, I will. I, I'm about to I'm about to get into that. But I'm just saying, I'm ta I'm not, I, that's why I say the third one and not the second and third. Because I think with the Ninth Amendment, that because the Ninth Amendment was written intentionally broad, that you know that that expecting a specific answer, especially from somebody who actually believes in individual liberty, is not necessarily realistic. Now, on the body camps issue, I do definitely think that you have something there, um, and, and and part of the reason for that is because of the fact that his answer was so dependent or so pro status quo, I guess you could say. That he was talking about how police officers, that if they are involved in this kind of stuff, that they're just going to lose their job. But we can clearly see that that has not solved the problem. And, and, and you know what? I don't even think it's just because of body camps. I think it has a lot to do with accountability. That hmm. police officers, when they're either not going into the justice system or not getting appropriate sentences when they do this type of stuff. There are instances where a cop murders somebody murders them in cold blood because they are black that do you have a black person that they are completely compliant they are completely peaceful they are not doing anything to suggest that they may attack the cop they are not doing anything to suggest that they may actually be a criminal all sorts of you know stuff like that and they get shot there was a video i saw where there was a guy you know who once again happened to be african-american who was a therapist for a special needs child, they shot him. He was on the ground, and he was explaining how this special needs child who had 
been carrying around a truck, a dump truck, a toy dump truck that they thought was a gun, that how he had special needs and he didn't understand things, right? Now, that being said, body cameras are one solution. But I think the other solution, and this is easier said than done, but I'm going to say it anyway because it's a conversation we need to have. Holding police officers accountable when they commit crimes. When people commit murder, a lot of times they'll get, you know, life in prison right. or 40 oh, years yeah. in prison. Boom. Cops need to be getting that. Go. If a cop goes and kills somebody in cold blood because so, of their race, they deserve the rest of their life Hallelujah. In prison. And okay. look, Preston has okay. been able to come with a good answer that was better than anything that Mark Tippett said. He actually has a solution. And something that Mark Tippett's could Mark Tippett didn't have any solutions on this particular. Okay, yeah. there's something I need to add on. But here. that is that's valid. You're right. There were some things that he never he had trouble answering, or rather, didn't answer. Now you got to understand. Even if he did have all the answers, does that mean he would be able to implement them? No, he's running for governor. You have to deal with the state representatives, and the, if I'm not mistaken, the state senators. That's a weak part. A strong politician needs to get his vision implemented. Well, that's, even that's then. Even then, you're, this yeah. is an independent candidate going against Republican and Democrat. Well, you also get, you also, you also got to remember the nature of his base that libertarians don't like like super strong government. Yeah, that, if, that is if true. He was, if he was running as a Republican or a Democrat, it would be very easy for him to get authoritarian to say mm. that we're going to do this, we're going to do that, and any political opposition that stands in our way can go fuck themselves. But yeah. when he's a libertarian and he's running on a platform of individual liberty, he's running on a platform. That the government, that unlike Republicans and unlike Democrats, he believes that the government should be constrained in what kind of policies that it can he will make. Still need and, to make yeah. compromises. And, and, and when point. I say when I say that, I mean Democrats and Republicans in the current context. So, I'm not I'm not saying that all Democrats and Republicans are, are inherently authoritarian, but what it is that recently we've seen a lot of people who actually end up in office are authoritarian, and that authoritarianism and both sides has become increasingly popular. Mm -hmm. Now that being said, that when you have an authoritarian party like the like the 2018 Democratic Party or the 2018 Republican Party is easier for you to just say we're gonna bulldoze anybody who stands in our way but when you're a libertarian the situation for Mark Tippett is a lot similar to what the situation used to be for the main parties that they were emphasizing individual liberty a lot more and that Mark Tippett is not so willing to just exercise this kind of fiat power because yeah, he's afraid I, I he's afraid um, of doing things that people don't person, want I, I don't mean it Having silencing your opposition, having authoritarian power. What I mean is sort of having the ability to form, a, a, to have a bargain with the other interests to get yes. what, to get what you want. That's what a that's what a politician has to do. Mm. I, I don't I don't mean you know what I mean. Like I, I didn't mean it as in look I'm Caesar and if you oppose me I'm going to arrest you in the Senate. Yeah. Nothing like that. We're not talking about that. Although you know that's mm -hmm. you know pretty badass. I mean, but, but he paid he paid the political price for that because when he did that, it was illegal, and that's basically why he had to cross the Rubicon because that was one of the crimes that they were trying to charge him with. Yep. But what I'm trying to say is that I'm just like, look, he, I don't know. So he didn't really have the answers to this, and you guys are giving him excuses and saying, well, even if he had the answer, he couldn't implement it. That's not even good. Well, enough. I mean, that was more because I, a I, I, now I, he now he doesn't have the answer, and b even if he had the answer, he couldn't implement it. So what good is it voting for well, this guy if there's not going to be here, any here's real the change? Thing, I, I come, Why are you going to vote somebody if there's not going to be any real change? Well, here's the thing. I I I want to I want to. What it is for me, part of it has to do with. Well, first of all, I'm not 100 percent sure. Like I'm still I'm edu I'm making educated consideration of all my options. So I'm not going to guarantee at this point I'll vote for him. All I say is I'm leading. That's what a voter should be. That's what a voter should be. 
doing all, the, I, all the, I said is I'm leaning towards him after this, but I mean, if yeah. I end up voting for Valdez or Abbott, that's because I felt it's more reasonable. But what it is for Abbott. me, for me, yeah. I, I probably won't vote. For, I probably will not vote for Abbott. Like if I vote for anybody besides Tippett, it's Valdez. But like you never know, right? You never uh, know. But but you know, like I'm willing to be persuaded by new facts and new policies and whatever I mean, else. Always... But but here's the thing: we have to avoid creating a double standard because think about it. Democrats and Republicans will say stupid sh will say stupid shit all the time, and they get a free pass for it. That when they don't know something, oh, it's no big deal. They make something up. Oh yeah, they'll make something up when they don't know something. Oh, it's no big deal. Whatever. Either they'll make it up, or people will get a free pass. Good point. And that the thing is, is that it's like yes, I concede that there are problems with Mark Tippett and his platform. I concede that he is not a perfect candidate, and I concede that there are areas of policy where I disagree with him. But at the same time, I'm willing to give him the same passes that I would give a Democrat or a Republican. That if or, – or if I'm not going to give anybody passes, then I wouldn't give the Democrat or the Republican passes either. If Mark Tippett needs to know everything, then so does Valdez and so does Abbott. Well, what, what did – oh, you wanted to say something? Like well, I was going to say that we could – it could just go this way depending on how well Tippett does in his run. Now, this kind of reminds me of – I believe it was the election of – what was it? I think it was 1900. No, 1896. 1896 was where, I believe it was a three-way. And there was this candidate on the independence who also became a member of the uh, William Jennings Bryan. That is his name. Now, depending on how well it goes, it could go that way. Where, where both the Republicans and the Democrats start adopting some of the independent policies mm. that were implemented. That has happened before in history. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So we could see it like that where you could still yes. see independent policies. Yes. It's just from the major parties since the independent one currently is not accepted as a major party. And that's Now, I also want to mention something about the police since we were mentioning that. I have I guess you could call me a devil's advocate or maybe a slight defender of the police in this sense mm -hmm. sort of but you got to understand I look at them in the same way that I would look at a doctor and the reason why I'm gonna say is that they're in a very stressful situation mm -hmm. for a policeman a lot of the time crime happens most often at night mm -hmm. it's harder to see your adversary or someone that's committing a crime because they know they're committing a crime. They're going to either run or defend themselves or attack. Now, in their position, you don't know when they're going to come at you and stab you. You don't know if the guy behind you, some random person, is just going to come after you. If you see a sudden movement, you think it's someone bringing up a gun. In those kind of situations, I can completely understand them if they were to somehow shoot somebody due to their stressed out situation mm -hmm. now i completely agree that policemen should be accountable and i do find the body cam idea a very interesting way to go at it that way you can prove whether the policeman or policewoman depending whether they've done that intentionally to murder in cold blood or strictly because they got scared and thought 
thought of it as an act of defense. The, the yeah, problem, and I, I agree because like, the thing for me that, that I, I don't view the body cam as the only option, but I do view it as a good option. That mm-hmm. I mean, there are definitely challenges and drawbacks, but when you really think about it, that it, what, what you said is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. That the thing is that we live in an era where there are you know race difficulties and race relations, where abusive power by police officers. Is something that has happened quite a bit, yep. um, and that sometimes people even retaliate. Sometimes, sometimes you have false accusations against police mm-hmm. officers because people just want to find a way to get a police officer in trouble. Yep. And that having that video evidence that e- even though because of the angles and stuff, it isn't always as conclusive as we'd like it to be. It's certainly more conclusive than a lot of other types of evidence, and that the ability to actually see what's going on and to see what the person did because that can make all the difference, right? Mm-hmm. That if the person was provoking a police officer or pulled out a weapon then the police officer could reasonably have just shot the person because they were afraid for their life yep. but if the person was completely compliant with the police officer's demands and they shoot him anyway that's murder but the problem oh, yeah. the problem is that there have actually been sort of uh, court cases where the police have been found guilty of tampering the evidence and mark Tippett's even said at this town hall that look the police are going to have control of where these videos are and how these videos are stored and how these videos are that is view. true so the police are in control so what i would say is there should be a fundamental right for the, the individual to also videotape the confrontation and i don't understand why it's one-sided because why not an if, independent if, group? But, but look if, if you have okay so let's just hypothetical here let's have a thought experiment you have a police officer who is racist he couldn't graduate high school couldn't get a college degree so he figured the best way that he can maintain his power and his standing in the community is go through the police training he passes the police training he hates black people he hates hispanics he gets into a situation of where he's frustrated because of something happened to him and he's just trying to take out his anger and he takes it out on a poor defenseless black person who may be jaywalking or right. you know might be doing something and he takes it to the extreme pulls his guns out on him and shoots him and has control over you know why are we going like do we expect this person to be like well i'm racist i'm going to shoot this person but i have a body cam and i'm not going to tamper with this body cam in any way shape or form you know what i mean like the the sort of the the ability to sort of uh the the this officer has complete control over this body cam and if this police officer if if his police department is also racist then that just doubles the, 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 the ineffectiveness of this body cam to actually do what it's supposed to do, and that mm-hmm. is shed light on the actual reality yeah. of these confrontations. Well, you because can you can make if, the, you can make the body cam so they're even, not they're not even, able to be shut off. But even if he has mm. his body cam, but then but still, if the police department, which in a lot of cities are, is still racist, a lot of police chiefs are still racist, then you have this body cam. And it, it gets, you know, you, you might have the body cam and the police chief will say, you know what, well, we don't need this body cam. Let's just delete or let's just get it lost or something like that. But I think There's the police, no, the poli- that's the, what Mark was saying. The, the chances, I think, I think, that. I think the chances of both the officer and the chief being racist are a lot lower than just one or the other. It depends being racist. on the location. It depends on the location. It well, there's on, also, you, you'd be surprised, Preston. Because well, no, I know there's a lot of race. I'm not saying that it's impossible. I'm talking about if you're looking at it comparatively, that if you were to compare the likelihood of them both being racist to only one of them being racist, the the, the, the chances are a lot lower that they yeah. would both be racist. But the chances that either one of them are racist and if either one of them has control over the content in any yeah. way, shape, or form, 
then if you have one of them and it's still bad. Yeah. So so one, one philosophical you, you question. One philosophical question I want to pose though, because one of the things Mark Tip has talked about is that self defense and other rights, like rights precede the Constitution. The Constitution only like affirms our argument. rights. I like that. I like that. Argument. Here's the thing. I am a very strong believer in the Second Amendment. Yep. I, I, I am as close as you're going to get without... Yeah, let's throw it out. No, listen, listen. <laughs> you're, we're, we're, I'm as close as you're going to get and still remain sane to, like, a Second Amendment, like, fundamentalist. Like, I believe, oh, yeah. I believe people should be able to own Preston machine guns. naked with guns. I, I love guns. I, I believe that people should be able to own machine guns and rocket launchers and that kind of stuff. Right? I want now, guns. That, that, that could be a conversation for a different podcast, but my, my question is this. It's a philosophical question. Um, maybe not a practical question because from a practical perspective, it would be a yeah, bad idea. But in terms of political order and philosophy, that do we have a right to defend ourselves against police officers in the state in the instance where they're abusing their power? Because I'm hmm. thinking I'm thinking this, right? That if, if I – yeah, and, and I agree with that. Um, that that's that'd be my answer, but I'm thinking along these lines that if I see a police officer abusing their power, whether it be maybe breaking into a house without a warrant, or maybe yep. maybe I'm out and about and I have my concealed handgun and I see that there's a black person, they are compliant with everything. The police officer goes and shoot them. You know, maybe I'm in the pass or I'm in the car with one of my black friends and I see my black friend gets shot unprovoked. If I have a concealed handgun on them, I'm in the mindset I'm gonna kill that motherfucking cop who just did that because he has committed murder. And now, assuming that I have a reasonable chance of getting away, because in the current reading, in the current legal system with all the biases that exist, that it's probably I'd probably end up in jail for the rest yep. of my life if I did that. But if we're talking about fundamental and natural rights, that that impulse would exist. That if I saw somebody kill another person in cold blood, I'm not sure if morally I would care whether or not they have a uniform on. Have you seen Training Day? No, I have not. Wow. So Training Day is a movie about uh, sort of like a high-up police officer who's been in the police sort of a force for a long time. He's been there for like 15 years. So he basically – he's the one who trains new recruits. While he's retraining these new recruits, he's basically corrupting him and showing him what it truly means to be a police officer. During this movie, they're smoking drugs, they're extorting people, they're having sex with prostitutes, they're tampering evidence. Preston, these police, they're doing all of that. And all of that would fall under what you're saying is when he breaks the law, he no longer is a police officer, he's no longer protecting yeah. and serving. Yeah. He's, he's a criminal. He's a criminal. And he should be dealt with, like, if in natural law, if there's no... If, if the government can't secure your life and your liberty and your property, then you have the right to do that. So under under you know natural law, under basically I think it's like the Lockyer mm, law, yeah. you have the ability to sort of make that situation right because there are no other no one no one else can do it. Well, precisely that you, you you give up you give up yeah, rights in instances where the government is able to protect you, but yes, when the government cannot protect you, you retain your rights. That's the principle behind any all self defense laws, and basically the principle behind the Second Amendment. Yeah. So. That exists. It exists in all across the segments of society. In every city, there are cops who are corrupt in every single way. Extortion, prostitution, human trafficking, mobsters, uh, violence, you know, dirty gang cops. activity, dirty cops all across the board. So it would be kind of hard to, if, if you're going to say that, that we should be doing this because there's a lot of cops that you're going to have to go after. And at that point, it becomes a vigilante service. 
and so you know it's 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 basically it's gonna be problematic because of the sheer volume. Well, in of some the ways, and the thing is, the thing is too is that you got to think about this. You know that that. Well, first of all, I fully concede that from a pragmatic perspective, this is a bad idea. Like, this is not something I, I would. I don't. I don't think so. This I is think not necessarily something this that is, you could this, make pragmatic. This is not some necessarily something that I would, by default, want to do. But if we let's assume that we would. The thing is, it's, it's like um, you know, I I think it was MLK who said this, but I'm not 100 percent sure. Maybe it was someone else. But like, an unjust law is no law at all. Yep. And that the thing is, is that. You know, it, it, it's fundamental constraining government power that one of the core principles of having a government that is of the people, by the people, and for the people that protects liberty is that the government is not allowed to exercise undue powers that the people would not be able to do. And that what it is is that, you know, in a rule of law society, not even law enforcement are above the law. And you know, when you have th this this kind of situation, you know, you're talking about how many how many police officers are well armed. If you're talking about it from a racial equality perspective and from a human rights and constitutional rights perspective, that's more, just more the reason for people to be well armed. Yeah. If you get into a situation where you have a bunch of corrupt racist cops who are killing people, which is obviously a no, lot more extreme than is normally the case, but let's They're just say there. that for argument's sake that it does exist, because you're right, they do exist sometimes, that – you know, that's why I believe in the, the, the right of people to own M16s and AK-47s and AT-4 rocket launchers because in the event that the government becomes tyrannical and that people's rights are being oppressed and they've gone through, oh. they've gone through you know, whatever kind of measures exist in the legal system of rectifying that hasn't worked, that in instances where unprovoked violence is being used by the government against people, where the government is unilaterally initiating a state of hostility against against the citizens that it's supposed to protect, those are the instances in which the people have the right, if not the obligation, to shoot back, return so, fire. So basically if Red So basically that. if Red Dawn and the Purge had a baby. Well, yeah, but there's justice here. I know. Yeah, it's not total anarchy. Like basically, I mean, I'm just if the police are not abusing their power, then I don't believe in any. The, the problem, the problem is that you do run into the practical problems that you're talking about. Is that how do you sort of separate the situations where it's truly just to do this and the situations where it's just criminals sort of pushing? And you have to draw the line somewhere because pushing, you don't you don't want to create a situation where people are allowed and, and, to be and, and, judge, and, and, jury, and, and execution. Exactly. And if you're going to err on 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 a side. I think normal people would say you err on the side that gives more precautionary power to the police versus sort of regular everyday yeah. people. Yeah, and that, what it, what and it is, is and it has to do with – because you don't the – one, one of the things and the reason why I mentioned those pragmatic problems is because we don't want to move towards a society that allows people to be judge, jury, and executioner. Mm -hmm. That rule of law is but, important. And that the thing is like when I'm talking about this type of stuff, you know, like killing racist police officers – Keep in mind, and to any listeners who think I'm a cop hater, like, well, keep this in mind. This is a last resort. That my idea is that and for evil cops. My my idea is that me picking up my G3 and shooting some police officers is what so, I do when so, the legal system has already been exhausted and that there yep, are no remedies. The thing is, if you look at this from a more pragmatic and realistic mm -hmm. perspective, it is true that you are going so, to have to defer to the authority of police officers most of the time, and that even in instances where you don't, you're going to have to take it to the court to court system because you don't want to create a situation where it's considered acceptable for people to be judged jury 
authority and executioner because that is how rule of law gets undermined I and that is how I, freedom gets I, threatened see, in the look, long run. That's what I, I should have told Mark Tippett's that is a fundamental right that is reserved by the people that in certain cases they can serve as the judge, jury, and executioner in extreme cases. Extreme cases, cases, yes. But there are cases that exist where that needs to happen. You remember the conversation that we had, Preston? If I'm not mistaken, where, where I told, hold on, Nick. Where I told you, I said, if I, I gave you the Batman scenario, I said, if you capture Joker and you have Joker in prison and you could either kill him or you can hold on to him, but if you hold on to him, he's going to escape and kill more people. And if you hold on to him, because like as, as, as Batman, you don't kill Joker because you don't believe in killing people. Yeah. And you don't believe in doing anything that's outside of the law. And so you can't kill Joker. So the only thing you can do is give him to the authorities. But when you give him to the authorities, he escapes and he kills more people. And so it keeps happening. So you catch him. You lock him up. He escapes. He kills more people. You catch him. You lock him up. He escapes and kills more people. So at what point are those lives on your hands because you had the ability to prevent it even though you were vigilante? So I think that at a certain point, there does become a justification for you to take the action that the securities can't take. Yeah, to well, to, to well, protect, well, it is, because it has you're not to do, only protecting yourself, you're protecting the general welfare. Well, it has to do with natural law, that because basically what it is, when I mean, you think about Batman, that Batman is able to serve a role that the authorities are incapable of doing, and that that's the thing is that you know turning someone into authorities, you know, including maybe like a supervillain in the case of yeah. the Joker, for the first time or maybe the first two or three times is justified. But I think that when you have, if you were to have a situation where human life was imminently threatened, yeah. you know, like for example, you know, if I were bat, like if I were Batman, I would not have a no killing rule. Mm -hmm. I might not kill most of the time, right? You know, because yeah. I'm I'm a peaceful person. I don't right. Any, I mean, you I don't, could always I don't, have I don't, the accidents. I don't. I don't take any pleasure in in the you know in the idea of having to take a life. That you know, I I hope I don't actually have to ever do that. But if I came to the situation where I had no other choice, I'd do it in a heartbeat. Right. If it came to the situation where killing somebody was what was necessary to save An innocent lives, evil. to save innocent lives, like I think about it like this: if I were, you know, I know that he died like a long time ago, but let's yeah. just imagine that if Osama bin Laden was like right here or something, right? Yeah. Or maybe like the leader of I like to keep it more current events. Let's say like the leader of ISIS was mm -hmm. here right now, you know, and I, if I had my gun on me. And they were standing right there, and I knew beyond a reasonable doubt that they had been responsible for the terrorist attacks that killed so many innocent people that they were going to kill again. You bet I would pull that trigger and blow their motherfucking brains into outer space and do it with a smile on my face because oh, I, because I, because I have saved people from destruction that I have brought justice to this world. But I also, I also recognize. One, one. I also, I also, I also recognize. I also recognize that that is a very extreme case, and that most of the things that we deal with are much. You need gum? No, I'm fine. And that most, most of the things that we deal with are much more ambiguous than that, and that you know we we have to be very careful because I do believe in natural justice, and that it is natural justice, gentlemen. It is important that we uphold it, but at the I same, am Jordan Villanueva. I, I am a conscious human being. There's no power outside of me that's going to tell me when I can't defend myself if I feel like I'm in a just position. No. I will take the consequences. But if society tells me that I can't do it, then society is wrong. 
Society is wrong, not me, because I know that I'm acting from a place that is truly just in the way that everyone but at the would same understand time, you, you what gotta, just you is. Imagine, can, can, is, you know, that, that sort of operates under the assumption that you're capable of being unbiased. There could be times where I I'm, am, Preston. No, no, there could be I times. I am unbiased we, as it gets. We as humans are fallible. What there is are, my bias? There are times. I you, have none. <laughs> your, your bias is that you hate Russia. You're very skeptical. <laughs> you're very skeptical. You're very skeptical of libertarians, and you're progressive. I always Those are your biases. That, I always say they're the smartest. Like they're the actually they're the ones who actually do the most research behind there. No, the let's blame. Everything in Russia, even when there's all no right, evidence. All right. all right, guys. There's something I want to make they sure about because, Kelly. mind you, in most <laughs> cases, what we just talked about, that is based, that is considered illegal to go against the established. Well, you could say established order, but basically That's the treason. law. The yeah, treason. that would be seen as treason or an attempt to overthrow the government. Again, treason. Now, if I'm not mistaken, there was a law or something. That was agreed upon where only when the government acts the acts clearly tyrannical against the against the populace would the populace have a legal right to overthrow the government and replace it with a new one or reestablish it. I believe that was a law. I don't know why I keep thinking it's in the Constitution, but I'm pretty sure it's not. I think that's Thomas Jefferson. I think that was. I. I'm sorry, I'm really bad at yeah, remembering dude, that's, stuff. Yeah, that's exactly what he says in Declaration of Independence. Yeah. I mean, there mind you, both the Declaration of, of Independence and the Constitution. And we have tried multiple ways to get redresses for our grievances, and all mm -hmm. of them have been ignored. And yeah, it, and it, I mean, it becomes mind a, a you, law that is enshrined in the natural order of things. Yes, mind you, yeah. mind you, both the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, you could even say the Articles of Confederation, have major influences from, yeah, like, well, I from think, the Bible. I think, so I think I you know what? One of the one of the one two uh -oh, that's interesting to go ahead. Two of the really important principles I think here. Um, hey, can you get me another Coke? Nope. Are you here, serious? Have those. It's shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but uh, was it one of the things I was gonna say is that two two. Oh, I, got, I got your Coke right here, buddy. Yeah. Two. Where's your uh, Where's your Coke opener? Um, this is over on the refrigerator. So one, one, th two of the principles I think are very important when judging this are, um, no, here, let me get it. Hold up. Nick, uh, keep well, this going. Had more specific directions, like oh man. Here, oh great. Now I have okay. to try to do this. So, okay. so two, two. On the side of the refrigerator. All right guys. So two of the principles that I see as very important are proportionality and reciprocity right. you know no, that the, no it's, it's true though because basically what it is like when you know you mentioned the, the, the long the long train of abuses when you we were talking about when you're talking about um, government that's similar you know because because kind of one of the <laughs> fundamental ideas of a free of a free society is that the government is constrained to things similar to what the people would have the right to do with, with one another and what it is is that you want to have that reciprocity in the sense that your response to government tyranny or government abuse of power does not exceed, you know, the this the, the magnitude of all the offense that was against you. Similar mm -hmm. to how you would not kill somebody from for stealing 
you know, ten dollars from you, right? That you don't want to overthrow the government because they did something that was slightly at variance with how you believe. However, however, if there is an instance where the government legitimately is being completely tyrannical, where there has been that long train of abuses, then under the proportionality and reciprocity principles, it's a lot easier to justify something that's more extreme, like say overthrowing the government or assassinating one of the government's leaders or or something like that. Hmm. Well, I would say once the government starts uh, sort of overtly disrespecting the Constitution, then yeah. it's time to depart. That's the test that we have right there. So well, not, the Constitution. I'd rather so start the, the, with the Constitution. Law first. The Constitution has been subverted a lot of times. It has been subverted in many ways. So we're kind of close to that. We're, well, we're, 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 we're closer to it than we were. Yeah, because three, President, three President three Donald years. Trump's presidency has actually been a prime example. Like, you look at that, that he's a constant and perpetual threat to the First Amendment because, you know, anything that he doesn't like, he deems fake news, and he's okay, always trying to no. shut down the media. Not, you know, he, listen, he's listen. He's exercising uh, his th- th- first That amendment. is true. No, no, no. Well, here, here's the thing. I'm talking about using uh, – this is not the only thing. Well, I'm talking about using government no. power to coerce. Second thing, with the Second Amendment, he supports a bump stock ban. He's in the – you know, that he's, he's, he's sort of an anti-gun person. Mm-hmm masquerading as a pro-gun person he has no respect for privacy he's anti-fourth amendment he is anti-racial equality that this is probably the most racist president we've had in a long time where that let me that part which part dude all does it imply that he's like that so uh, about like the racism, the Muslims, yeah. or the Muslim know, ban. The Muslim also, ban. the fact that he believed he he he, he based the qualifications. Of federal, no, he said that a federal judge was dis, was unqualified because they were Mexican. But, but, and okay. he also but, Canada. But, but, we have but, a lot guys, of undoc- we have a lot of illegal immigrants from Canada, and yet he only wants to pay attention mm-hmm. to Mexico. But okay, let, I just let wanted me, to let me, I just wanted to clarify. Right, but, I just wanted to make sure yes, about this. Yes. Because the thing about I can understand about the judge. Now, however, the thing about the Muslim ban was that Obama had that, had a version of this a while back, but no, it was canceled. Not, now, right, not the Muslim you ban. Say, when you say finish, all, when you imply that all so Mexicans are racist Let me finish. I'm not done yet. killers. I'm not done yet. The thing about Trump with his Muslim ban was that it was for people that came from countries that were clearly in political turmoil. Except Saudi Arabia, which actually the 9-11 hijackers came from, but he left them off the list because yeah. of oil. But that one's for yeah, that one's Nick, for you're supposed to get triggered reasons. and like go off on meme rants when I say oil. Okay, but oil. So, so, so you know what? I actually agree with you on that. Okay. When I looked at the final list, it was from countries that were politically divisive. But if it's it's not only that, it's 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 that corroborates with what he's done with the Mexicans, with what he's done with black people, with what you know, like not sufficiently taking care of Flint, Michigan, mm-hmm. or not sufficiently um, sort of, like, he has no black people in his cabinet, or he, like, you know. Yeah. I mean, he has Ben Carson. What he's been saying about Mexicans and Latinos, period, I mean, that is just, you can't say that Which they're all part? criminals. The where they're all they're criminals and, and they're all rapists. And the fact that you're going to put Hispanic children in cages. That mm-hmm. wouldn't happen to white children in any in any way situation. No, like it wouldn't. Did that he specifically happen. do it in cages? Because I remember finding yes, some parts where it says otherwise. Cages. 
where it was already there to begin well, with. Well, I actually say, though, I, I'm going to be completely honest. I, even as somebody who dislikes Trump's domestic policy, his foreign policy is another story. There's yeah, aspects, no, 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 but we're no, not no, talking listen, about listen, that. Listen, we're listen, not listen, talking about no, that. No, I'm, I'm just having a, this is a podcast. Remember this claim. Yeah, I mean, right? mind you, he but is here's a controversial thing. figure. But we're talking right? about the racist Listen, 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 listen. I'm talking in, in terms of— get to that? And I, that's what I'm about to say. In terms of the domestic policy, in terms of the racism, even as somebody who opposes Trump on those grounds— one thing I will admit is that with the putting kids in cages and putting people in prison, while Trump is part of the problem, he's not all the problem. And the mm -hmm. reason why is because the prison industrial complex and the private prisons profit off of putting immigrants in jail, even in instances where they have not committed a crime. There was yep. actually a guy I was talking to, uh, I think it was last year, it was, it was right. Miguel from the debate team, who was telling yeah. me about how the system worked. That what they'll do is that even if they don't have any legitimate charges against you, if you're a Hispanic and they think you might be an immigrant, right. they'll arrest you and they'll put you in jail. And even if right. you get out, that there's profit off by the prison company mm -hmm. off the time that you were in jail. Yeah. So the thing is, I definitely think that Trump is part of the problem. No, and no, as a matter of no. fact, I'd say he's I, a big part. He's he's a big he's a big part of the problem, say. if not the biggest part of the problem. But um, I think that a lot of the discrimination that we see against Hispanics is systematic. It's not just about it's, Trump. It's, um, so I, I I'm taking a sociology class. And discrimination exists. Discrimination is real. Discrimination is a manifestation of prejudice, which is a manifestation of sort of um, uncertainty of attitudes and ideas. So you have ideas, you have attitudes, then you have prejudice, then you have discrimination. Discrimination is that final form. Where those things come from is they have to be validated. They have to be validated by your experiences. But one of the most powerful ways that they're validated are by your leaders and by the people who you respect the most. The people that you have the most points of ethos for, if those people hold these racist ideologies and these discrimination discriminating policies, the chances that it validates your conception that they are valid is going to be high. So that's what he does. So if it was in the status quo, Donald Trump is bringing it to a whole other level of yeah. validation. That can be denied. Well, and that's why so, I say he's but, part of the problem. Hold, hold the on, the, the reason, he's the reason, not part of the problem. He's making the problem worse. He is. Well, that's all, so, that's and, and, exactly and, and, what but, I'm saying. But, it's, but but this is getting away from what I was trying to say. We're we're, we're, we're getting away from what I'm trying to say, Preston. And that is, when I said subverting these amendments, this is what I meant. Okay, the First Amendment, the right to free speech. I meant him shutting down news networks. Or a president shutting down news well, threat, or threatening. He hasn't done it yet, but the fact that he's, but the fact that the fact that the fact that those demands that he, he has, done it yet. That, that the coercive power behind right. the government is basically yes. Trump. Yes. Even though but, he hasn't actually shut down anything, that by his very nature, by his views, and by the amount of power he has, is a threat to the right. First Amendment. It's a threat to the First Amendment. Well, let me let me finish. But it's not, it's not sort of being overtly unconstitutional. No. So second, what I'm saying, okay, so the gun thing, it might be bun stock, a uh, gun, what is it, bump stocks, but those things are in Supreme Court language, where those things are sort of up for debate, whether you believe mm -hmm. it or not, those yeah. things are up for debate, uh, in in the Supreme Court. So if he came up and said, we're taking away all of your guns, yay, that is no. overtly <laughs> unconstitutional. I was, say, I was about to say, yay, he, yay, uh, if, victimless crimes. If the government came and said that you cannot be Islamic no more. That is overtly taking away your amendment's rights. And on and on and on. I'm not talking about these gray, these blue and white, what do you call clear. it? Blue, blue and gray. I'm talking about clear, unconstitutional acts 
when there is un, uh, a long train of unconstitutional acts, the, then that's when we have a right to revolution. It's not yeah. these. We have to make. Well, I'm not saying we should revolt ta- against Trump. He's taking away bump stocks. No. He's saying the media is fake news. I mean, he's actually stopping the media and he's actually taking away the guns. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. Well, and you said it yourself. There can't be a small pretext for large action. Yeah. You, well, and I'm not. I'm not necessarily saying that we should revolt against yeah. Trump. Can you? Can you there's some more. Why? What, what do you want Look, to use it for? For those who are listening in, I'm music? just going to mention this. I Dude, don't. You want music fully on the podcast? Su- at when the it end, comes to like foreign to policy, okay. in Trump, with Trump on foreign policy, I do find some solid parts about it. He has Domestically, yes, there are issues with him. I'm not going to defend the man 120%. No. I will look at things objectively, make conclusions based on information that I have obtained, whether through we sight, reading, or hearing. <laughs> well, it just depends from what I know. And I will make conclusions based off of that. Now, shoot, I was, oh yeah, I was going to mention that the rhetoric that he says, or even some of the actions he's made, could you consider the possibility that it's all a political, it's all of a political slash public attempt? It's a trick that he's trying to give. What I'm trying to say is, in his past, he was a real estate. He's a real estate mogul from New York City. Now? He's also a movie, also a TV quality. star. He even showed up in some movies in the past. He knows how to get public opinion to go at Russian him, song. whether it's positive or negative. <laughs> Do you guys see where I'm trying to come from? Yes. You could look at this as okay. Yeah, he has a fairly aggressive or even volatile personality, but you could say that is it's a well, product I would, I would, of his would, environment. I would argue that for me, for me, you know, like as somebody who who believes in individual rights and who believes in rule of law, mm-hmm. you know, because I, I strongly believe in rule of law. Like that's one of the reasons why, God willing, I'm going to go to law school when I graduate. I strongly believe in rule right? of law. I think it is one of the greatest things that mankind has. But the thing is, that being said, with Trump, you need to read about like Kyrgyz. I was, I was, I would say that Trump is not a threat to democracy, but yep. he is a major threat to rule of law, precisely because of what you're talking about. Trump is a populist. He is that somebody is Trump? Trump is good at channeling the people's anger. He's good at reflecting the popular views. He's good at being prominent. He's an effective politician. He is good at getting people to support him. Where I see, you know, the the, the, the democracy aspect of it is not where I see a problem. Trump is legitimately effective at mobilizing people from that perspective. Where I see Trump law, what if the rule of law gets in the way of proper policy? Well, I, here's the thing, is that most of the time it doesn't. Because when you're defining proper policy... Most of the time. No, listen. When you're provi- defining proper policy, you can't just think of it from the perspective of white people, as Trump has the tendency to want to do. You have to think of it from everyone's perspective. One of the reasons why we have rule of law is to protect minorities, whether it be people in rural communities, or if you're talking more recently, like with the 14th Amendment, such whether it be racial minorities. One of the reasons, one of the reasons why we have, yeah, the religious with the First Amendment. One of the reasons why we have rule of law is that way minorities are not trampled upon. 
And that way you don't. That way you don't have. That we no. Listen. Let me let me finish. No, but the rule of law. When you look at the Constitution, the rule of law was enshrined in the Constitution for that reason. We could have had a pure democratic system. One of the reasons why the the founding fathers did not want to do that was precisely because of what I'm talking about. The having there's two there's two examples. Okay, examples of sort of like the civil rights struggle in the 1940s and the 1950s. The rule of law stated that they could not be free and equal, that they could not sort of exercise themselves into what we would call just. The law was unjust. So if you followed the rule of law, you would be following an unjust interpretation of reality. That being said, in our, in our, in our way today, the law comes from the legislative process. If the person who was writing the law is someone who was unjust and someone who has interest Moneyed interest, mm. corrupt interest. Technically, it's the rule of law, but that law has been written through corrupt motives. And so you're following a, a situation where you, the rule of law is a rule of corruption. And that, to me, is real. That's a problem. And that's something that we can't just say altruistically that that's something that we should follow blindly. Well, I, I think I – th- well, I'm not saying we should follow – What do you come down to? I, I, I wouldn't say we should follow blindly, but I think you're misinterpreting rule of law because, first of all, when you're looking at what Martin Luther King was doing, for example, he actually – so the Constitution, the United States Constitution is law of the land. That is above all other laws. The Civil Rights Act, the Voting Rights Act, all the stuff that was passed to give black people rights, it wasn't violating or changing the law. It was enforcing the law. We had the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendments guaranteeing that there are rights that are possessed by people other than whites, that we have those rights regardless. The southern states were ignoring those rights through Jim Crow. The southern states and the racist leaders in charge of them were pretending that those constitutional amendments did not exist. The laws that were written in response to what Martin Luther King was doing were simply they, they, that but, was an but, embodiment but, but of rule of law. They were the, saying that we are going to write laws no, that are no, consistent no, 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 with the no, no, Constitution. No, no, no. When the Supreme Court said in Brown versus Board of Education that we uphold the principles of a separation of equal facilities, that this is something that that is lo- that is legal under the interpretation of the Constitution. This is something that is okay. It's something that we're fine with. Something that we're going to live with. Something that. Well, Brown versus Board actually overturned Plessy the, versus Ferguson. Plessy yeah. versus Ferguson. Okay, so there the you go. rule of the law, which was interpreted by the Supreme Court, which if you want to bring up the, the Constitution, is the body who has been entrusted with the uh, task to interpret the Supreme Court. They determined that separate but equal was. But you uh, see, I th- this, was this, the was my, this was my. This was my. That was my point about you, that my you mis- misinterpreting what the rule of law was because because, on, because, because one of the reasons why Brown versus yeah, Board one of the reasons why Brown versus Board overturned Plessy versus Ferguson is because yeah. Brown versus Board found that the constitutional interpretation right. of Plessy versus Ferguson was wrong. But that no, l- let me finish. That is what common law is based off of. That cases are only overturned in instances where it is found. That the original decision was wrong. That was the case with Plessy versus Ferguson. Brown versus Board of Education visited the same question and found that the court in the so past had saying... analyzed it in the wrong way. And here's but here's what my main point is. But the thing is, when you're talking about rule of law, it's not just it's not about blindly following laws necessarily the way they're written. It's about having an equal application of the law and having law that is 
unbiased and ruling yourself by laws rather than by the arbitrary will of man. Right. The how you write laws and the politics of that is a slightly different issue. The, basically what rule of law means is that rather than having arbitrary authority, we're going to have laws that we've agreed upon through the proper purpose, uh, through the proper processes to govern us. And that even though yes, it's not pressure, perfect, it's pressure. better than the alternative. Cu it's better than the arbitrary Cu couple things. authority. It, it, it's better than the alternative, I grant you that. But when you talk about arbitrary, we just see a perfect example of this. Trump can pick a Supreme Court justice who he knows will support certain policies. Mm -hmm. That's completely arbitrary because he's picking what is going to be accepted. So, so let's not say that there's no possibility that the, the rule of law can't be arbitrary. Second, when you talk about Plessy versus Ferguson being overturned by Brown and Board Education, you had 50 years of following the rule of law that, as you say, was unjust. This law would have been so you sprinting because the Constitution years. is above other laws, and that so, because but, but, the Constitution but, 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 had get, amendments yes, press, in it that, that was I saying get that. I get that. Let, let, but let me say this: so there was fifty years where people had to live in a world where the constitutional interpretation of the actual laws were false and wrong, and and encouraged wrong policy and wrong action. Who's to say that where we are now isn't? after like a Plessy versus Ferguson and we might be living in in unjust laws until we get to that Supreme Court decision that overturns what we've been living in. So we could be living in that threshold of here's the here's the way that the Supreme Court interpreted the wrong way, here's the way the Supreme Court interpreted the right way, and we're living in between that where we're living in the way that the Supreme Court has deemed it proper but it is wrong. Well, that's right. That's, Dude, that's you, you, possible. You, it's entirely possible. That is entirely possible. And I think the fact that you know, like, when you look at Trump's immigration policies and Trump's, you know, and, and also like one one thing I wanted to bring up about Trump's racism, and, and not because because I'm I'm of Puerto Rican descent. My dad's side of the family is Puerto Rican. I think Puerto Rico is a perfect example of how racist Trump is. That in Puerto Rico, okay, they're part of the United States. They're United States citizens. There's nothing about Puerto Rico that's like un-American. Are they really? You know, they are legally. They are. They are Americans Do by they speak law. English? By law, they don't speak English. But remember, the United States has no official language. The, the Constitution, nor the, nor any law, we do not have an official language. If English was our official language, maybe Is it would be different. Is there any other state that doesn't have English first language? Wait, what? Wait, what do you mean? No, what I mean, I, no, but I'm talking about by any, law. Any no, because under a rule of law system, if it's not legally mandated, then it's not an official oh, language. Okay. So here, you know, so basically that that Spanish is totally acceptable in the United States because English is not our, we don't have any official language. And the thing is that so Puerto Ricans, we don't have an official language. Puerto Ricans are in, are, they are American citizens living on American yep. territory. And yet, the Trump administration ignored them after the whole Hurricane Maria thing, that the amount that, that, that they neglected the island, that they did not send nearly as much aid as they did to other places, and that Trump was willing to just completely forget about and disregard them, even though they had been through similar things as many other people did. That is what I think is a testament to the racism. So you're right, in the sense, in terms of interpreting 
the role of our laws and the role of race within society and the extent of the government's power, it's entirely possible that we could be living under a, a similar point of that. And I'm not disagreeing with you with that, but that's one of the reasons why constitutional interpretation evolves as court cases go along. Because we want to be in line with natural justice, but natural justice is not always obvious. And sometimes it takes longer to figure it out than we would like. And sometimes, that it, sometimes it takes a court case being overturned in is, order to find what out I'm what it is. is. Why wait the 50 years until this court case is in, uh, this court says is in return if someone wants power and you can enact that power and you can supersede the court, the Supreme Court, and if you can sort of act... Alright, man, go ahead. Alright. Now, in terms of Puerto Rico... I'm just trying to argue for a seat. No, I just want to be sure about this because you mentioned that in the state that Puerto Rico is in, hasn't it always been like that ever for a long time? Ooh. It's been like that for decades. Well, it ha well, I'm talking about more about action on the government's end because I think if you're talking about Puerto Rico being poor, you're right. There are internal problems that yeah, exist and there. I mean, this isn't and the, and the, and the thing case. is, I'm not because here's the thing. Is that I'm, I'm talking about more about the I'm not talking about things that Trump can't control. I'm talking yes. about things that Trump can control. Okay. You know, you I don't I don't that I don't I, I don't want to make sure and clarify. You know, that because, I don't I don't you know. I don't blame Trump for Puerto Rico's poverty. Like okay. I know that that's that's not Trump's fault that that existed before Trump came into office and I think to to use Puerto Rico's poverty as a way to criticize Trump would be, you know, to be completely honest, would be Absurd. quite ridiculous. Yeah. You know, Absurd. but if you're talking specifically about the response to Hurricane Maria, that's where things that's, change. That a lot. would make more sense. That yeah. Now the thing, now for whatever, no matter what, whether you support the man or not or some other person, the good thing that we can at least believe in on all sides is that at least we have the concept of separation of powers and that the president as the executive has two other parts of the government that are can be direct threats to him or are able to at least limit the potential that he could bring whether good or bad the executive should have the power the absolute power to overrule the wrong decisions of the legislative and the Supreme But how do you wrong. know if that one's wrong the when the wrong decision could must be beneficial? Be able, if it is a smart and it is a just... We all know that you're a totalitarian at heart, Jordan. <laughs> what are you talking about? I mean, listen, okay, Jordan, every time we've talked about this whole individual liberty, like, we've talked about the Second Amendment before, and you've gotten so anti-gun on me, and now I've you're talking never, about the executive I power. I said we should never take, put me on the camera. We, we should never take we away the Second never, Amendment, but we should ban all guns. No. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Preston is talking fake news, and I'm disappointed in you. I'm just I'm joking with you, man. And I'm, I I'm, said we should not never, fake news. we should never take away ar 15 I've said that I've stand up. No, you, no, you have said that we would ban AR-15s under certain circumstances. We had no. My point, my point, my point is not about guns. What you, I'm talking, talking about, about Jordan, Jordan, Jordan is that I think well, I I'm think not anti -gun. Don't that call even me that. even though even though you say that you understand this, I I think that in a lot of ways that you, you do have a tendency to underestimate the amount of damage that a totalitarian or dictatorial government could do. Like, I, I you know, like that's... Whoa, 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 whoa. In what way am I dictatorial or authoritarian? In what way, Preston? Please, tell me. Well, the fact that a lot when we're debating this stuff, you always prefer government authority compared to mine. Like, oh, no, 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 no. See, this is where you're getting me wrong. 
I specifically said the government. I said this here. The government can never infringe on your constitutional rights. No, you. Not that's overtly, not what you said in the past. But I've said this. I, I said this here, Preston. And in the past, we might have been talking about a hypothetical thing. I don't. I, what I said. What I said about that. I truly believe that. I said we have the right to take up arms against our government if they violate our constitutional yeah. rights overtly. Mm-hmm. I yeah, just said that right sure. here. Okay. And when I talk about taking away guns, I said if mass school if school shootings keep happening, and there are. 50 people dying per school shooting, then you have to look at the sort of rights that are being taken away from individuals because they're not having their Second Amendment rights taken away. They're having all 26 rights taken away when they die. It's not just their Second Amendment rights. And if that keeps happening, then taking away an AR-15 might be something that we should look at to see if it would be effective because you know I'm about practicality. But you said, well, instead of doing that, Let's try the other things first before we do that. And I agreed with you. And I said, okay, so we could have did the, the common sense, the gun, the, the gun loopholes, the sort of the, the background checks, the mental health checks. We could have done that second. Did We could have took away all assault weapons first and did this second. But you convinced me to say let's do the sort of common sense you know I, I say common sense but that's that's what the you know the sort of background checks the loopholes those things do those first and then if that doesn't work you take out the next common factor behind all these massive casualties like basically there's a difference but when you call me uh, authoritarian and, and dictatorial in front of our audience we have to i have to clarify that buddy yeah, I'm yeah, I'm just it's, messing around with you, man. You know, yeah, that these what, people it, might not what, know. what it is. It's I think a, uh, the, re, the, re, the reason why I bring this up it's is because there have been there have been so many times where you're like, you know, oh, I believe in individual liberty, but that's I not what I said. What I said, <laughs> you know, like, what I said is I am for the dissolution of the Senate, and that the president. Should have the power. <laughs> well, Authoritarianism. My point was not to say that you're like that all the time. My point is to say that I caught you in the act again. In the sense that like you're talking about the president having all this authority. Well, and, I you mean, know. there could be that. Then you could go against president because of certain things. And then you guys could end up coming against me because of me to them clearly trying to protect trump for some but guys, guys i think we, can I get, we need really to get care. back to the original topic so because we were talking oh, about right, mark tippets yeah. right yeah and that's the thing is about, i love him because all, all the all i'm voting for him you gonna vote for him you got look on nicholas's t-shirt right oh now God. guys in real terms mark tippets libertarian for governor he's been wearing this shirt for like six hours how much do you love mark tippets nick I don't know. He, he told me something about giving me a hot dog so uh, with ketchup and cheese. So I, I just might eat that and then maybe vote. You know, when, when Mark, Mark Tippett's like, no, how dare you? This is my favorite Hillfinger shirt, you? okay? I, I would say, like, for me, what it boils down to is this. The two-party system has failed this country. That all, all the problems that we have right now, you know, the two-party system has tried mm-hmm. time and time again to solve them. They have not been able to. Mark Tippett, one of the things I like about him is that because thing, a lot of libertarians, you know, there's some crazy libertarians out some there. Crazy you know, oh, Mark Tippett was a lot more there's pragmatic. Here at this podcast. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, there's not a, I really think, like I a lot I, of libertarians, but I'd say maybe, you know, the Jordan's a crazy one, you know, the, the crazy totalitarian. But, you know, yeah, but, 
But uh, but here's what I'm saying. Mark Tippis was a lot more moderate than a lot of other libertarians. Mm-hmm. And that the thing is, you know, he's more pragmatic. Like, for example, with taxes. That I had brought up taxes when I was asking him questions. And, uh, you know, he wasn't up. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't up there saying, like, oh, taxation is theft. Like, so many ta- libertarians do. No. He was like, taxation is a necessary evil. He wanted taxes to be mm-hmm. as low as possible, but he didn't believe that taxes don't need to go away or that and he never said that he wouldn't really know that like he wouldn't raise taxes if it was necessary. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the taxes that was mentioned was like I think it was uh, what was it property tax? Well, that 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 that's the type of tax that he believed was completely wrong. And I'm going to be completely honest, like I agree with him in the sense that that's the one type of tax. Like I actually I'm I'm in the process I I just got done writing a first draft of a paper about tax policy and like there are I don't believe that all taxes theft. There are very few types of there are very 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 few types of mm-hmm. taxes that are theft. Property tax is one of those types of taxes that are yeah. theft. I can understand and that because, because it's it's one of it's one of the very few instances that the government actually is saying that we're going to take property that already belongs to you that's not involved in a yeah. transaction and that we're just going to say that's the case. But the, here's my point though. Weird. Here's what I'm talking about with the pragmatism. Is the fact that he accepted a role for taxes in society and that he just wanted tax reform and that he saw certain types of taxes as theft, notably property tax, but didn't see all taxes theft, that was a moderate stance. And basically he recognized that you know he recognizes he re- he recognizes that we need to have taxes in order for society to continue to function but he's so, not so he, but he's he, he's he's still willing to to have to consider reform as to how those taxes are collected this was a conversation that i i think you and mark had after the sort of town hall mm-hmm. so I, I didn't hear this so he doesn't believe that taxation is no, he doesn't. So basically, here's what I was talking mm-hmm. about. With, well, he actually, even in the town hall, because I'm not sure if you picked up on it, but when I had mentioned taxes, I was like, oh, you know, when you're a libertarian, you're not a big fan of taxes. And he was like, he kind of made a face. I'm like, mm-hmm. well, you know, I, you know. But I had talked to him afterwards, and the, the, the type of tax that Mark Tippis does not like is property tax. That because he because he views ta- oh, yeah, so because because te- here's here's the thing Mark Mark Tippis Mark Tippis believes that taxation is a necessary Mark evil. Tippis? He he's not like he's not pro tax. Like, he doesn't like the idea of taxes by any means. But what it is he recognizes that taxes are necessary for government to function. One of the few types of taxes he believes it's unacceptable to to every extent is property tax. And what it has to do with is the fact. That property tax is one of those few instances where the government is actually taking something you already oh, possess forcibly. Oh, um, you know it. that with other taxes, that the, like, like for example, with the, with the article, with the article I'm writing right now, there's there's kind of a few premises to it. Like one one of them is uh, yeah, one one of them is that like a taxation needs to be finite in scope. So like for example, what what that means is that. It needs to be basically based off of a percentage, and that there needs to be an amount that you're paying rather than some unlimited amount over a longer period of time. Proper, property tax is problematic for the fact that it's essentially an internal rent to the government, whereas sales tax or income tax, those are only proportions of what you mm-hmm. have, and that you're only paying that tax as it pertains to a certain portion of an economic activity that's taking place. You know, and then one like one of the other things, for example, consent of the governed, you know, rule of law, that's another premise for taxation. Another one of them not enforcing inequality. I had talked about how 
um, how property tax in the current system enforces inequality um, because of the way that schools are funded. And uh, y'all, y'all need to chill out. We'll, we'll, we can talk about that later. But, mm-hmm. um, but, but what, what it is, you know, kind of the point that I was getting at, like with, well, you know, with the with the school funding equality and all that yep. kind of stuff, yep. is that whether, you know, it's not just about how much tax is collected. It's about what type of tax is collected and the way the government does that and the way the government exercises right. authority. How it and that it. One, one of the ways, that I, one of the things I liked about Mark Tippis is the fact that he conceded that taxes are necessary, but nonetheless was willing to take a stand against certain types of taxes yep. that are constitutionally, morally, ethically, politically, legally problematic oh yeah you know and so that's that's very rare to find most people either they support the, yeah. the status quo so taxation scheme or there's some nutcase who just believes all taxation is theft so mark tippis felt in between he wanted tax reform he wanted he believed that some types of taxation was theft but he fell very short of actually going all the way and just saying we shouldn't have taxes. He right. recognizes the necessity for them in society, as I do, and that was one of the reasons why I liked his position so on the, taxation. So the last thing that let's let's leave on is because we don't want to leave on something like that as for, you know, dry. Let's talk about tax policy for the next 30 minutes. No, 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 no. Let's not do that. Okay? <laughs> These listeners, if you've made it this far, you guys you've are made very it past the India debate, you made it all the way past the Mark Tippett thing, and we got a little off the rails. We're back on it. And you are a Wisdom Factory supporter, and you are a superstar. In every single way. Either that, or you're an extreme nerd. It's okay. I'm and also an extreme nerd. And you deserve special content to end the show. That's Guys, right, you brain What absorbers. sort of special content should we give them? Well, let's talk about something that's pretty cool. To fiat full communism. Let's, let's talk about. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I just. Time is messing around, y'all. And, 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 and what I think would would sort of, you know, sort of something that they can connect with. You know, not these sort of ideas about tax policy that they're. Yeah. They're, that, they're marginally going to be affected by, or Indian hegemony, which they're not really going to be affected. By. Well, they yeah, could be, but it, like it would be only, only in a. It'd be a long-term issue. Long-term oh yeah, yeah. But what about you as an individual who likes to acquire knowledge and understanding and you don't know why you do it or you know why you do it, but it, whether you know why you do it or you don't know why you do it, it all will serve the same purpose, and that is to make life and society a better place for all of us. Yep. And the best way to make a society, a place, the society and, and, and the, where, the reality that we live in better is to know which politicians that you need to vote for and which policies that they advocate for that you agree with and that you want to see implemented. So Preston, Nicholas, let's talk about why did the Wisdom Factory put on this event for Mark Tippett. Well, because what it is is that we want people to know their options. That regardless yep. of whether you endorse Mark Tippett or not, regardless of whether or not you are a libertarian, that we want to make sure that people understand this is an option. That whether you're a libertarian or not, whether you believe in Mark Tippett's platform or not, one thing that is absolutely undeniable <laughs> is the fact that libertarian views have been suppressed because we live in a two-party system. Mm-hmm. And that people, as voters, who are going to be deciding who is going to be governor of Texas, yeah. have the right to know all their options. Right. Mark Tippett, he's a candidate who is running. He is somebody who you can vote for. You may like him, you, you may, may not. Him. You may not. 
But regardless, you maybe you're on the fence. Maybe you don't know. But whether you like him, whether you don't like him, or whether you're on the fence, maybe he sucks. You have the right to know that he is an option that you can choose. You have the right to know that if you want to vote for him, you can. That he is a legitimate option. He's part of a legitimate party. And that if he aligns with your views, and if you like him more than the alternatives, Mm -hmm. then go ahead and vote for him. And then if you don't like him, then that's someone that you need to remember that you're voting against. Sometimes, well, I guess he can, he pictures this, like, at least from my understanding, he he fits in this picture where um, sometimes the things that you want may never come up. So sometimes instead of relying on someone to do it, you go do it yourself. You get yourself up on your bootstraps, get on that figurative horse or whatever you want to call it pick up that figurative gun whatever and do the problem yourself that sometimes that's just simply the best method and to me that was the approach that he took which i would say is honestly one of the best ways of going about it and like preston said earlier he is another option that many that voters can go with no matter if He's a Republican, Democrat, or Independent. It's all on you. <laughs> so, uh, Jordan, do you have anything to say about All right, this? the final thing that I'm going to say, guys, is, you know, um, thank you. Oh, no, 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 is no. But what I want to say, guys, is sort of the reason why we put on this event is because, well, I asked myself an important question, guys, right? So, democracy. And the theory behind democracy, and the reason why Plato did not think democracy was going to work, because of oil. It's right the there. reason why it's Alexander Hamilton was very weary to see full democracy implemented. Why he advocated for a more of a monarchical system. Why Jefferson thought that we need Jefferson and Madison thought that we need checks against faction, and that is because no one trusts the capability of the voter. To make the best possible decision for the general welfare come election time. That's it, gentlemen. That's right. what democracy comes to. Whether we can do that or whether we can't. Washington was one of the few and people that honestly believed that the people could make the wa- proper and, and, decisions. And, and that's, that's why he and, said no to and, having and political that's, parties. And that's one of the things that Mark Tibbetts was talking about was timing. Because we needed Washington at that time. Yep. We if anybody else, we would have been on a total different trajectory. Mm-hmm. But we had Washington there. So what I'm trying to say is. Ladies and gentlemen, we did this event because we wanted to make you, the voter, as close as you can possibly be to becoming an informed voter on candidates and on their policies and on how those policies affect reality. And with that, I just want to say goodbye. It's been a great time. Preston and Nicholas, thank you for joining us. On this Wisdom Factory podcast event, it's been so fun. It's been a lot of fun, and uh, you know we that, and that's the thing is that you know we're doing this. We, we you know we want wisdom, virtue, and victory. You know we want to pursue. Um, we want to you know pursue knowledge for the benefit of mankind, 
and uh, you know, God bless you. God bless the United States God of America. States and uh, we we will be back, you know, shortly. We're you know we do these podcasts every now and then. We're gonna have another one in the future. There's a lot of potential podcast topics that we discussed as we were going along. So we will see you next time. And stay tuned to the Wisdom Factory Literary Society to get your dose of wisdom and to consider viewpoints that are unique, Woo! that are well informed, and that will revolutionize the way that you view the world and that will pick your brain and make you consider perspective you've had not before goodbye ladies and gentlemen this was a great politics nick you did a hell of a job yeah yeah nick like i said this is his debut this is the first time that nick has been on the podcast you know that we're getting things done right now that he's uh, you know he he's done a great job a lot of valuable insights especially about foreign policy and, and all right li- wisdom factory podcast listeners we will see you next time stay tuned to the wisdom factory literary society yeah.